Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 206. It is your pals, lockdown, quarantined, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? I'm feeling pretty good. There's sports finally back on TV. It's only the NFL draft, but at least it's some sports and it's, it's sort of live. Like, I feel like an event's happening. Are you saying we're flattening the curve? You, are you drinking that? Are you drinking Lysol? Are you drinking bleach? <laughs> okay, I'm getting to watch people like do some stupid shit on the draft. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that before the podcast started. And if you, it's magical. If you don't even care about football, it doesn't even matter. Just search like top funniest moments of the draft because everybody was was quarantined. Everyone was taking it from home. So all the the GMs, the coaches, they were recording themselves and their the reactions to all the athletes who were getting picked. They were at home too with their families, girlfriends, whatever. Some of those moments are really goddamn funny. Well, like even like, you know, everybody heard, um, probably a lot of people heard it too. What's his last name? Tavigliova to he's Hawaiian or something like that. Yeah. But they showed his family and his family, like they announced the pick and they're just sitting there like, all right. His brother's like, all right, see you later, man. I'm going to bed. Like They were like, I'm done. All right. Yeah. Get better so things to funny. do. You see the different reactions. Like you had, we were, Brian and I were just seeing like, there's one guy that got caught in the crapper. <laughs> uh, then there's another one where the, the mother shoot away the girlfriend. Like it's, it's pretty funny <laughs> stuff. There's some pretty funny moments there. Yeah. So worth checking out. Well, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out at skibumpodcast.com. We have all of our episodes there. We have information so you can subscribe to our newsletter, which would be greatly appreciated. We have our shop there. Follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Podcast. We finally got our YouTube thing straightened out. So we've been uploading the podcast to YouTube, if that's your thing. Hey, our buddy Rem finally said that he, uh, he watched us on YouTube the other day. For the Look first at that. time, because he usually listens, and he was like, because now he's got more time. He's at home. He's like, he's like, yeah, I like it. He's like, I like. It's like he's, he's like, hanging out with us, right? Yeah, he likes up, the expressions, and he knows what we're talking about. So he he said it was a little more entertaining. You know. Oh, look at that! Well, yeah. beautiful. Well, thank you, Rem. Also, make sure you subscribe and rate us. That'd be really, really helpful. So go to your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Going to send us an email? Hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Buy some stuff. So thank you again for listening. Hope you guys are safe. Hope you're having fun in quarantine, doing something productive or stupid or mind expanding, whatever you're going to do. Mind, oh, mind expand. I should mind be learning expanding. a lot of shit right now. I'm not learning anything. That's the yeah. problem. Well, let's kick it off the way we always do. It's time. For our prey today. So Mario, what do you got? Alright, so I'm breaking out a funky Buddha, which is a very good brewery down here. So they came out with a mixology series, and this is one of them in the mixology series. It's called White Sangria. Oh. And uh where is it? Let me show it to the camera so everybody can see. So that's what it looks like. You can get it in uh, stores down here in Florida. So they are funky. They're not out of, they're outside of Tampa. Oakland Park, Florida. Oakland Park. I I feel like we've looked that up before, haven't we? It's by Fort Lauderdale-ish. Lauderdale-ish, yes. But they carry it all over Florida and they're really good. They have some really top beers. So they came out with a mixology series where they're coming out with, you know, these new strange beers every once in a while, which are cool. You know, they, they get a chance to show their creativity and see what works. So this white sangria, it is, they basically 
they aged it in Chardonnay uh, barrels, and it's infused with peach, apple, and pear, and blood orange. And what kind of beer is it? Like, is it not a beer? I think it's more like a sour. Okay. So, because I had one of these a week ago, and it, it, it tastes like a sour, and they just aged it with, uh, you know, they did the the barrel oak, and they did, uh, you know, some other stuff in there. So, you know, pretty pretty good idea. So, a white sangria beer sour in a bottle. Do a little taste. All right, yeah, it's here on their website. Mm, that's pretty good. 9.5% alcohol. So I got to say, this might be a uh, second half of this podcast might be a little fucked up. Just oh, saying. wow. 9.5. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a big beefy one. This is, uh, I tell you what, it doesn't, it doesn't taste, it says serve at 38 degrees, which is kind of cool. It says Chardonnay barrel aged ale. So it's an ale. With grape must, apples, peaches, pears, and blood oranges. Huh. Damn. Very good taste. I can see the sangria tastes a lot like a ghost. I get a little bit of sangria in there, the idea of it. It tastes more like a ghost. You could taste, it is a strong beer. They're so saying yeah. pairing suggestions, Cornish game hen, grilled mahi-mahi, olive tapenade, manchego cheese, chicken piccata. I could tell from personal experience, the manchego cheese, yes. The mahi-mahi, probably, yes. And the other one, the uh, tapenade, olive tapenade, I could see that. What about your Cornish game hen? I only had Cornish game hen once. Well, they're good. It's just I, I had to eat like two of them because they're so tiny. <laughs> like nine of them. <laughs> to slaughter a whole Cornish fucking family for me to like, be satisfied. Just sitting there like, what, what are those four little tiny birds for? That's for me. Like, Look, dude, I've had, I've had chicken wings bigger than this whole stupid hen. Yeah. <laughs> I want nice roided up. American chickens. And you know, it was so small when I had the Cornish hen, I was kind of like, I don't really notice what it tastes like. It just tastes like chicken. And I just ate it. And I just onto like, what else is there to eat? Like you got a side little, of meatballs with this or something like little expensive chicken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it, for, and a lot of work that goes in making them, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cornish game hen. That was one little experiment. And, you know, my mom did it. It was expensive, but she's back in the day. She was trying to give us experiences. She's like, let me try to make a Cornish game hen forever. You know, and she made little hens. And I was like, I got my own personal little chicken. I felt like a giant, you know. It's like next time, mom, bucket of KFC. That's the move. (laughs) That would have been the move. That would have been the move. You could have got like six buckets for the price of like a family of four game hens. (laughs) (laughs) Bucket of chicken. That's it. The colonel oh. has a strong bird. Dude, I've, I could go for some colonel right now. I got to tell you. When was the last time you ate KFC? Oof. Dude, see, I, have to was, go, I have to go in the way back machine for that one. See, and I love KFC. I, I'll eat KFC all the time. You know, I, I think I would, right? They have the tenders now, like even the, the regular chicken. But now there's always like, I've gone to Popeye's for chicken. I've gone to, because there's a Popeye's right near me. There's KFC near me, but I just have churches. Near you? There's a churches, yeah. Uh-oh. But they're actually not like up north where they have the bulletproof glass. Like they're actually, <laughs> you can walk into them and be like, ah, oh, there's a church's chicken. Because if you're in the New York City area and you're near a church's chicken, 
probably not in the best part of town. Yeah, it's probably next to White Castles, and they probably all have bulletproof glass, and mm-hmm. they're open like 24 hours, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know what they have down here that they don't have up north? Well, I don't know if they... I don't think they have them up there, but they... Um, Checkers? No, Chick-fil-A. So they don't have Chick-fil-A up there. Oh, do they got Chick-fil-A all over the place here now? Oh, they do now? Yeah. Chick-fil-A is a freaking gold mine. And they're only... They're not open Sundays. But every everyone I go to or everyone I see... There's like, especially at a lunchtime, line. there's a freaking line like crazy. And they are efficient. I went during the lockdown. I, I was like, you know, let me go out because I like Chick-fil-A nuggets. And I got the 13-year-old home. So Bodie's those like, nuggets, oh. like the, the the grilled nuggets, yeah. those are so good. Yeah. Oh, so I was like, let me go out. I'll get Chick-fil-A, bring it home, whatever. And they have such efficiency. They're all wearing masks. And they go out. And you don't even go up to the drive-thru. They're like, take your order. And then, boom, you just drive. You just keep driving. Like they have it all efficiently done. They take your order. They do the payment out there. It's it's awesome. So I gotta say that's pretty pretty sweet. That's why I haven't gone to KFC. Chick Fil A all day. The last time I went to KFC, I got one of those bowls. It's like the mashed potato bowl. Yeah. How was it? Um. <laughs> Did you regret it? No, I didn't regret it for a goddamn second when I was eating it. I probably regretted it an hour later. And I, dude, I, I got to tell you, a couple of days ago, I had a dream. I woke up at five in the morning. I just started laughing to myself. Like I never, I don't think I've ever had a dream where I was making myself laugh and I woke up and was laughing. Damn. I was thinking about when I was a kid and we would go to like Roy Rogers or KFC as like a special treat. Roy Rogers. Yeah. And I was thinking about like, I loved the great, like the mashed potatoes with the gravy. And I was thinking, I'm like, I'm like, you know, the, they didn't give you much gravy back in the day. I feel like gravy has gotten gravy cheaper. Bucket. You need yeah, like dude. A bucket of gravy. Back then, it was like, <laughs> this is what made me laugh when I woke up at five in the morning. I'm like, it's like a shart's worth of gravy. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like just a little bit of gravy on that mashed potato. <laughs> it's just a shart's worth. <laughs> It's just a shark's worth. I fucking woke you up. Tell somebody like, oh, I know what you meant. You need a shark's <laughs> You know what I mean? Like a shark's worth of gravy, what they would give you back in the day. That's right. Now I was you fucking get like a tub, tub dude, of gravy. I was, I was laughing my ass off at five in the morning. Think about a shark's worth of gravy. A shark's worth of gravy. Mm. There's a little How bit of Boston gravy. Marketer. Any of those still open up there? Uh, you know, I think a lot of them shut down, but I think there's a few of them. That are still going down here and i went like not too long ago i was like i freaking miss boston market i keep forgetting that it's there yeah yeah the things that's the I'm one thing that's gonna now. suck i know dude i'm starving the worst thing about this whole economic shutdown covid19 coronavirus thing is going to be the stuff that we took for granted that we were like you know what i didn't go i'm not going to go there today i'll go there some other time yep. that is not going to come back I tell you what, I'm saving a shit ton of money though because I'm cooking at home, dude. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy this or buy that for the house. I'm like doing all these home improvements. I'm like, fuck, I got the money. I'm like going. I'm not going out. Like, you go out to eat. I mean, you go out to eat. Even if I go for like cocktails and something to eat, meet a friend out or whatever, and I pay for my own shit, I'm still paying like fifty bucks, forty Easy, bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money. It adds up. Dude, I went to Costco again and I actually spent like 400 something dollars at Costco. Damn. So I've gone, that's a good haul. I've gone twice in the last month. And amazingly, the amounts I spent were like 43 cents off. It was like, it was like $413 and 
thirty cents and like four hundred and thirteen dollars and sixty cents. It was crazy. You buy almost the same stuff every time. Not really. That's the thing that was weird about it. Wow. But I got all this beef again. I again, I spent like a hundred bucks in beef. I have so many steaks in my freezer now. Like, I don't know what this whole food shortage is going to do. If it's fake news, what's going down? But like, oh, did if you I'm, get the Costco flyer this week? Because I just got it today. They don't have them anymore up well, here. They have a flyer because they do online. A home sale. So okay. they said they're online and they're not doing the coupons. So they, they sent out this whole email and then they, they, they sent in the mail a thing saying they're not going to send the, the coupons yes. anymore. Yes, right? they did that. Yep. But then they sent this thing this week. It's like this home thing and it's the thing again without the coupons or without the little ad. But they everyone's the- losing their minds. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. So they have all the home shit and in the back they have meat. So they have all this like, Wagyu beef and Kobe beef, like like five hundred bucks for like two Kobe like giant steaks. I'm like, Dumb. holy crap! Get the USDA prime ribeyes; those are the bomb diggity. If we all die in a year, you'll go. Why did I get the shitty ground beef when I could have got the goddamn ribeyes? Get the ribeyes, and if they have them at your Costco, I've been getting the um short ribs. They have like the uh the short rib strips. Okay. I did a. Uh, I found a keto short rib slow cooker recipe. It was like cumin, turmeric, um, nice. cilantro stems, and a couple other yeah, seasoning. The baby back or the short ribs? No, short the, ribs. The, the short ribs from the beef short ribs. Yeah. You just throw them in the slow cooker with like a half a cup of water and you put that, that whole um, the spices on there. Cook it for six hours. It is unreal how good it is. Nice. And then for the next for the baby backs there. They got 26 bucks, two full racks of baby backs. Oh, yeah. Those are awesome, too. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Mm. All right. So. Now well, I'm getting hungry because I'm not going to have ribs out there. I'm going to have shit after this. I'm going to go to bed. Shart's worth of gravy. Just think about that. It's <laughs> a little bit of gravy. A little bit of gravy. <laughs> you know I'm going to use that. And people are like, what the fuck? Please do. I, I, that's, we're getting t-shirts. That a food item. Can I have a I'm, shart's worth? I'm getting a T-shirt made up. Shart's worth of gravy. Yeah, what do you that'd think? be like a uh, a preppy kid's name. Shartsworth. <laughs> Shartsworth. <laughs> yes, I have my kids, Stedman and Shartsworth. Um, uh, <laughs> table of five for Shartsworth. <laughs> Shartsworth party of three. <laughs> yes, we're with the Shartsworth estate. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, I manage the Shart Shartsworth Trust. Welcome to the Shartsworth Gallery. <laughs> Oh, that that works. That works. I'm writing really well. Shartsworth down because this this could be a fictional character. This could be one of our alter egos, like Baron Shartsworth the Third. Baron Shartsworth, <laughs> that's the best. That's a great. Or Baron, Baron von Shartsworth. Von, yes, that's what I was going to say. Got to add the von the in von. there. Von, boom. Baron von Shartsworth. <laughs> a little monocle, and you eat gravy all the time. <laughs> Baron von Shartsworth. Yeah. Oh, where's my gravy, boy? So what is Baron? What is that? Like, that's like a, a sir in some other country or something, right? Yeah, a baron. The Red Baron. Red no, Baron von Shartsworth. I thought it was like a, you know, like sort of land. Von, it's British nobility. Oh. It's a form of address in Britain. Barons usually being referred to as lord. So instead of lord, you say, oh, I'm Baron. It's a nobleman. Mm. Aristocrat. Yeah. I'm Baron von Shartsworth. It just sounds the third. You gotta add a number, like the fourth. Yeah. The third the is commonplace. You gotta like the fifth. Like the sixteenth. Like the sixteenth? 
Jeez. The <laughs> Von Such with the fizzift. I have some <laughs> I have some purple drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of purple drink, not purple drink. What you got going in there? So Probe April is is moving on. We're three plus weeks in. Dude, April. April You're just at the is end. a shit ass month. Yeah, April just sucks. It just it sucks every year. It just sucks way more now than it ever has before. Well, it doesn't for suck as reasons. much because taxes weren't due now. They extend into next month, so next month's going to suck a little more for taxes. Oh, there you go. Everything sucks right now. We all know it. But one thing that is good is that being home, quarantined, my wife has been making some baked goods here and there. I'm actually there's there's a lot of benefits to the quarantine. There definitely I'm is liking it. I, I kind of like it too. If I didn't have to do all, I don't want to see other people. Dude, this is reaffirming a lot of my belief systems about my misanthropy and how I think most people are just overrated and unnecessary, which is a horrible thing to say. But I've really been like, yeah, I, I could do without most of you people, not you our listeners, of course. About homeschool, years, right? Dude, man, this is this is reaffirming all of my beliefs, all my Unabomber thoughts, all my homeschooling. My dude, everybody's doing homeschooling now, and Bodie sits there for like two, two and a half hours a day. And Friday, he's like, "Well, Friday's kind of optional to give you work to do, but we don't have any live streams." I'm like, "So you're doing two hours a day, and that's it?" Like, yeah, because there could be no jobs when he gets out of school in a couple years. So you know why? Why learn anything, dude? I made him paint like a hallway today. I'm like, you're gonna you're gonna work. It's a today. modern modern day Huck Finn. <laughs> That's it. Quarantine Huck Finn lessons. Quarantine yeah. Huck Finn. Let me teach you life lessons. And then he spilled some like like paint in his eye. He's doing the roller and he got it in his eye and he's like, Oh my god, it hurts. I'm like, I'm like, what's the matter? <laughs> you can be a baby powder. I'm oh, such god. a dick. And I'm like, go wash your eye out. He's like, I don't know how to wash my eye out. I'm like, all right, <laughs> come on. Some in his other eye too. Put, put some goddamn water in your eye. That's what you do. He learned. He's like, oh, I'm good. Just drink some bleach. I had to make sure he wasn't blinded. Drink some bleach. He'll be fine. Yeah. I had to make sure he's not blinded. I'm like, damn. I told <laughs> Melly when she got home, she's like, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, he can see. It's like, yeah, it's like it's tough love. How was he going into it? You know, like, is he okay? It depends. It's relative. Yeah. I was a so, little freaked out. I was like, oh, what'd you do? Look so, <laughs> so this drink I have, I mean, if you look at it, it looks amazing. You're like, oh, is that a really, some sort of groovy, thick New England style IPA? Not even goddamn close. So uh, Andrea being home has you know delved into some baked goods. And I talked about last week, the Costco bag of carrots, which is like 19 pounds of carrots. It's a yeah. lot of goddamn carrots. Today, is she that a made... fermented carrot drink? <laughs> well, today she made a delicious carrot bread because we're not actually using the frosting for a carrot cake. We're kind of doing like a ghetto carrot cake, which is just the bread. So it's the same recipe, but no good carrot fun frosting. Good. It's good. Got pineapples and pecans and oh, really? carrots That's in there. A good bread. Yeah, it's really good. So she makes that and she's got to like squeeze all the liquid out of the carrots. So this is some raw, just carrot juice. Nice. So does she use a juicer mm. to juice it or? No, she just shreds it and then like runs it through a cheesecloth and then just all the, wow. the juice comes out. So the bread gets isn't too like overly moist and dense. Dude, you guys are gonna be making your own cheese before long, and you're gonna have your own brewery in your basement. It's gonna happen. I hope so. I you're really do. Hit the shit out of that place, aren't you, dude? I'm telling you, when I get myself fired next year, 
That's what I'm gonna have all time to do. I'm gonna I gotta get some seeds for my garden. Like I my it's been seeds. so cold, luckily, which has been good. My seeds in there. <laughs> my seeds, son. <laughs> I need Dude, to get you seeds. Be, you gotta become a life coach. That's the only thing that's missing. <laughs> gotta get your life coach certification and then you're good. Dude, I I assure you, there is no certification for a life coach. <laughs> Have you seen how many of those dipshits are out there? They're everywhere. They're fucking yeah. everywhere down here. And after all these Instagram influencers stop getting their influizations, uh, no one's giving them free shit anymore. They're all going to be life coaches. Watch it. They were like, they were like, oh, how am I going to support myself? Like, yeah. Huh? Maybe got to go. Do <laughs> this something. isn't the lifestyle that I am used to. It's not yeah. fair. Oh, I need a bailout. I need someone to bail me out. Well, sorry, sweetheart. It ain't going to be us. <laughs> the carrot juice. One thing that you know about, like, I don't know if you ever drank carrot juice. Oh, yeah. Used to have a juicer. Got it. I have one sitting down here. Six months and then, and then I, I gotta, donate it to Goodwill. That's a good point. I got to sell mine. I've only used it like three times. Dude, I got tired of asking. I, I was trying to give it to people. Like, just try it. You know, you might like it. Just to get out of my fucking house, I eventually gave it to Goodwill. So you can go to Goodwill and just probably buy it for like 20 bucks. Yeah. So the one, one thing that I put there. One thing that's very surprising about carrot juice is how sweet it is. Yeah. Because you eat carrots, you're like, oh, carrot, vegetable, healthy, whatever. But when you have the juice itself, it's very, sugar. very sweet. Yeah. Yep. I mean, good or bad. It's it's not bad. It's, you know. It's not great. I'd rather have what you're having. Sounds it's way better. It's a lot of sugar, but it's good sugar. And mm. you know, if you're it's diabetic, sick. it sucks because you can't have carrots. It's fucking horrible. You can't. You can, but you gotta you gotta watch it. Gotta but watch you'll sugar. die instantly. You'll die. I think if you eat too much of them, too, you actually your skin will turn orange. Yeah, there's that story, Orange Man. You ever read that <laughs> when you were a kid? The orange man and the whole, the, at the end, if you know, the guy's like, Oh, I eat carrot juice and I eat a lot of carrots and I like that. And it's everything that like pigments your skin. That'd be a fun experiment. Like during this quarantine, just, just eat carrots. Like every oh, week, just one food. Dude, I'm in Florida. Like you would, they would think that you fake tanned or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jim, Jim Tan Lumber. There's a short story called the orange man. Orange man. I'll look it up right now. We'll check it it's, out. It's every cute story to read to Benjamin. There you go. The orange man. Scare him to death when he goes to bed, right? So we actually have... Any more carrots. <laughs> we have one story here while we're here in the app right today. And this is a, a happy, fun story. And what's cool about it is this is actually our pals over at Magnify Brewing in Fairfield, New Jersey. Yeah. They created a special beer for essential workers only. $1 for a four-pack which is nice. super cool. Now we, if you go way, way, way back into the archives from back in 2015, one of our probably first 10 episodes, we actually interviewed Eric Ruda, who's the founder of Magnify Brewing. And we did it at the brewery, which is really cool. Really good guy and really coming a long way and, and cranking out great beers at that brewery. Oh, that place was great. I used to love going there. You were right there. Man. Just a couple of minutes that away. That was a great spot. Yeah. What they're doing what they're is brewing up now is amazing. They're they're cranking out really good beers. And Eric, there's Eric, the owner, and then Eric, the head brewer, and they've been working together now for over five years. And yeah, they're really hitting it out of the park with some of their beers now. They created this one called A Round of Applause for the True Heroes of COVID nineteen, and they're available for. 
healthcare professionals, first responders, grocery store workers, police, and all other essential workers, each of whom can pick up a four pack for just $1. Breweries nice. aren't legally allowed to give their beer away. So Magnify founder, Eric Ruta figured selling it for a dollar was the next best thing. And for every dollar of revenue, Magnify will match it and donate to human needs food pantry in Montclair. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's really cool. They made 604 packs and each person is limited to one. In total, $1,200 will be donated. And since announcing round of applause, Ruta said people have rallied around the idea. We've actually had almost a dozen people reach out about paying for a certain amount. We've had people reach out paying 15 to 100 bucks. So those four packs we're giving away today were already bought for by someone else. That's sweet. That's a really cool move by them. Uh, a huge, huge round of applause to them for doing this because, you know, this is really, you know, we're all trying to to see what we can do to help. And a lot of us, I mean, I know I feel pretty helpless, like what I can do, what you can't do, you know, like, what do you do? You know, we're kind of sitting, I was just looking at some of the stuff I have down here in the studio. I have a bunch of stickers and lift trail maps from our trip out to when I went with Rich out to Ellicottville and, and Chautauqua County in New York. And I think about all those folks that I met, like great people working in restaurants and shops, you know, the ski shops, the the resorts. Like, I wonder like, like how are those people doing? And like, what can we even do to help at this point? It's really, there's just nothing. You really can't do anything. Well, I think there's like, you know, there's big grand things that you can do if you have the means or if if you, you know, take a lot of time. I think we all need to think about the little things we can do to help each other out, right? So maybe it's getting, you know, going to the store and picking something up for your elderly neighbor so they don't have to go to the store. You know, knocking on the door and be like, hey, you need something? Or going shopping for somebody that you know that, you know, is having a tough time. I mean, just help each other out. That's that's all we got to do. I mean, so the small victories now is really all you can. Yeah. Yeah. And all that adds up to be to, you know, to really help people where they need it, you know? Yeah. But I think well, this is a great, great move by them. This is awesome. Yeah. Good so, idea. so big thank you and shout out to, to Eric and Magnify because they're doing great work over there. And this is for a great cause. Let's get into the Genjula. I think we've been legally allowed to hop into the gondola again. Temporary gondola. Temporary lift of the quarantine. I think it should have been like I, there's a legal need for it. So it's our uh, medicine, man. It's part medicine. So 2002, uh, the article we have from Vox. 2002 is supposed to be a big 2020. Year for Oh, 2002. It should have been 2002. Should 2020 was supposed to be a big year for marijuana legalization. And then the coronavirus happened uh, and kind of screwed everything up for all the legalization plans, uh, a lot of the votes. Um, who knows what's going to end up because the, the election is still coming up. And I'm sure somebody's going to try to get people out to the ballots by putting some of this on the, uh, the ballots, maybe. Um, but, you know, at the start of 2020, more than a dozen states were very likely or seemed very likely to legalize marijuana for recreational or medical purposes by the end of the year. And then now that coronavirus pandemic has kind of overwhelmed everything and overtaking all conversations, um, it kind of hit, you know, this article that they're talking about, it, it hit legalization fronts on two 
legalization efforts on two fronts. So the same first at the time of social distancing, um, advocates in some states just can't gather signatures, right? Because you have to go get enough signatures to get it on a ballot. Uh, so how do you go door to door, like while you social distance? So that's one of the one of the things that are that that's in the way. Uh, and then second, you know, lawmakers that may have passed marijuana legalization, uh, they shifted to other priorities. You know, once coronavirus, you know, started kicking in. Uh, while I read this, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is the, the economy is going to be a shit show when we're out of this, right? It's going to be a total nightmare. How the state's going to raise money? I think they need to legalize it now. We so talked about it a few weeks ago. This marijuana yeah. could be a big, like a silver, not a silver bullet necessarily, but one of the... Something I, to help at least dig out of that hole. A silver lining, maybe. Something that, you know, a whole industry that's that's got so much infrastructure ready to expand and build and grow. And it's just sitting right there. They just have to... All you have to do is just remove some of the old dumb ways of thinking and look to the future. And yeah. this could be a golden opportunity for states, for the country, for communities all over the country. Yeah. And you know, there's people that are pro it and for it, you know, and against it. So, uh, there's both sides of it. Some people say that, you know, of course there's just both sides of it. I just think that at the end of, you know, all said and done, uh, when we're looking to dig ourselves out and states are looking for money and there's huge unemployment and uh, businesses that are that went out, that there's a void for for the economies. I, I think it's something to look at that it's going to be out on the street from illegal sources anyway. So why not take it from those illegal sources and get some revenue from it? For I know it's, it's kind of a dark thought, but I think a lot of the folks who are against it are probably going to be dead from the coronavirus. So maybe. Hey, you know what? If I'm sitting at home, I am pretty pissed off right now that I'm in a state that doesn't have recreational marijuana because I would love to be in. If you want me to not go outside and not and quarantine myself, there's no better way to do that than give me a let me buy my own weed. Get a bunch of edibles. Give me anything. Let me just buy a little bit of weed or edibles and I'll sit home and just kind of hang out. That'd be great. Yeah. But. That's what they should be pumping into those uh, those ventilators or into the respirators. You yeah, know? right. Just saying, it could make life a lot easier for people. You wanna you wanna keep people from uh, from protesting and going outside and being stupid. Just legalize weed and have them just chill out at home. You want people to stop freaking out that they can't go anywhere? Let them enjoy weed at home. That's right? true. They don't want to leave then. Yeah, they wouldn't be stressed. They wouldn't be panicky. They'd be a little more calmer. A little bit well, they might be a little. There might be a little anxiety. You never know. Yeah, anxiety that they're going to cut off weed. That's that's really it. <laughs> yeah, right. Anxiety that I won't be able to get weed tomorrow because they're going to close the shop. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to have to see what the rest of the year. I mean, again, presidential election year. I mean, this is a big year. I imagine after the coronavirus, we're talking. We're hitting June, July, August. November, I mean, two months, everything's going to ramp up and and heat up for the election. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate that everything did get stopped because of the coronavirus. But I mean, you know, 
in, in the grand scheme of things, marijuana legalization is pretty low in the chart of people's priorities. I get it, but yeah, right we'll now we got to keep people happens. alive. You know, want to make sure people live. This is true, and there was some a couple of companies and nefarious companies that were saying that CBD oil could kill the coronavirus. And I know they got a, I forget if it was the FDA or a couple, one of the governmental a cease and or a uh, shut the hell up a gag order or something. Yeah. They got something like that. I know. Um, remember Kyle Turley, the NFL player. Yeah. He's either a board member or a big investor in one of those companies that was saying that. And they're like, yeah, people finally like <laughs> noticed our company. It's like, yeah, because you got shut down by the uh, FDA for making false claims about what your product could do. Damn. But yeah, we know your company now. That's great. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, I forget what. I think it was the FDA that, that shut down a couple of companies for those claims, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, during this time right now, with all the resources pointed, you know, either secluded at home and, and on furlough or whatever, or focused on fighting coronavirus and, you know, just managing people and, and, and health. Uh, it's amazing that there's still, you know, you wonder like all those other services still have to go on, you know? So it's just, it's kind of interesting that that's still going. Yeah. People are, yeah, it's somehow a lot of us are getting by, not everybody, obviously, but you know, a lot of us are still finding ways to, to get by every day and, well, sadly, I, I know, I know of a few people, more than two or three, that have had family members have issues, um, either come up non-coronavirus related, um, or, you know, just regular medical issues that they've had to go to the hospital for. And, you know, everybody forgets like, okay, while we're in quarantine, there's still people that are going to have strokes and heart attacks and need dialysis and, you know, cancer treatments, like it's still going on. So it's amazing that that's why these hospital healthcare workers are, are just like amazing. Cause you know, they're, they're doing what we need for like the, you know, the emergency coronavirus stuff that's going on, but there's all these other services that people rely on and you don't think about it. Like what happens if you, you know, I was doing some work around the house the last few weeks. What happens if I fall, break my leg? You know, I got to go to the hospital. You know, are they going to be yeah. able to help me? Like, you know, are they going to be overloaded? Like, you, you got to start thinking about those things. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, which it's, it's causing a lot of us to reassess a lot of the things we value and things that are important in our lives. And, you know, hopefully we can, we're going to have to grow and learn from this and realize just how spoiled we all were for so long and now it's really kind of smacking us in the face and making us kind of reevaluate what's important well going back into an office is going to make me realize how spoiled i am now yeah right it's the same. <laughs> i don't Seriously. want to go back i like this yeah right it works let's go to ski news first off california ski resort mount baldy reopens for skiing Wow. So much doom, so much gloom, so many negative stories about things closing and lawsuits. Here, we finally have a happy story, which is good. So Mount Baldy in California is the first ski resort in the U.S. to officially reopen following the COVID-19 lockdown. 
They closed initially back on March 20th and has remained closed since quarantine measures were implemented by the state of California. The decision was made following the reopening of golf courses in both Riverside County and Orange County in Southern California. Uh, and a statement from the resort said that they're taking the crisis very seriously. They're a unique all-season mountain resort and is well-designed to accommodate social distancing guidelines. In addition, we are implementing several policy changes that will help to ensure the safety and health of our guests and staff. Similar to how a golf course operates, Mount Baldy will check in a maximum of four individuals at 10-minute intervals. Nice and foursome. It's like, it's like golf. Just like golf. One day Alpine ticketed guests will have access to lift number two and lift number three for that time until closing. In stark contrast to a golf course, Mount Baldy Resort has more than four times the area and will be operating at less than 10% of occupancy under this plan. Dude, you know what you need now? Ski caddy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the mogul skis on this one. Yeah, all right. Give me the big cruisers. Just follow me. They're at 10% capacity now. And mask or face covering consistent with the order of the health officer of the county of San Bernardino for control of COVID must be worn at all times. All right, so you need a mask, 10% capacity, and you got to make a reservation. That's not bad. That's that sounds good. As long as I can get a re- reservation, I'm I'm fine with it. The minute I can't res- get a reservation, I'm pissed off at the whole system. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that's yeah, interesting. I was so, so, golfing last week. Oh, did you? They have not stopped golfing down here in Florida at all for one second. Really? There's just huh. you go in and there's one guy taking you know signing you up and that's it. You go out, you get your cart, they wipe it down. They have waiting for you. They don't even talk to you. They just, boom, you're gone. Go hit some balls. Wow. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I can only imagine what these lines must be like because everyone has this just pent-up frustration and desire to get out there. I mean, I didn't see any follow-up story saying that there was fights, which, you know, if it was on the East Coast, I'm sure there'd be some yeah. Jersey knuckleheads getting into a fight already. Which well, they... I don't think people are clamoring to go do stuff necessarily because I think people are still under the idea that, you know, I got to stay home. So when they open these things, you're going to get some people go out. But I think a lot of people are like, no, nah, I'm not going to even bother. Like, what's it going to be like? And then you got kids at home or you got shit to do. Like, it's different, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess. So that's awesome that they reopened. I don't know if, how many other places can still open this season, but you know, it's, it's kind of nice that at least something is open if we are Jones in and need to make that, that trip to get out there and get some turns in. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool though. Yep. All right. So next up barricading Loveland pass Colorado parking lot was a success official say. <laughs> The opposite of Mount Baldy, pretty much. (laughs) The opposite. Um, So Colorado Department of Transportation announced Saturday that they will be barricading parking lots at a popular backcountry ski area to prevent motorists from parking unsafely on U.S. Route 6. So they said it's a recurring problem and growing problem. They've been working with Department of Natural Resources, Colorado State Patrol, and they're saying, you know, 
rather than regulate it, it's it's a nightmare. So let's just start barricading the parking lots. So they said there was a trucker that was using the pass, and he kind of you know set a you know made a complaint, and that kind of set a lot of stuff in motion because they realized, look, why don't we barricade uh, the Love and Pass on on Sunday as a last resort? And the measures seemed to be a success. The parking areas will remain barricaded for as long as the snow lasts before it melts or until law enforcement requests they be reopened. And a lot of this is to prevent people from trying to hike up and ski. I think it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, but it sets a very dangerous precedent. It's one of those things where, you know, people say, hey, you know, I, I should be able to walk around for free. You know, be, freely move around the country, even and, and as long as I'm following the the recommendations of distancing and shit like that. But you know, everybody knows, like you, you gotta you gotta clamor up to get into some of these areas. So that's what what the result is. So they're just closing the parking lot. Like, hey, if you want to walk here, go right ahead. I don't know. I almost go back and forth like day to day. I'm like, one day I'll be like, yeah. I'll the quarantine's a good thing. We'll just stay inside. The next day, I'm like, "Fuck this! I'm going outside. I'm going over here. I want to go do this." It's it's just where are you? Where are you prevented from going right now? Right now, a lot of the parks by us are all closed. They're still closed. Okay. National so parks, county parks, state parks. Yeah, here the beaches are closed, which you know has everybody clamoring. But you know, there's the trails are open. Some of the parks, they say the parks are closed. But they don't want you hanging out on a blanket in the park. But you can go walk through the park. You can walk down the street. You can go for a bike ride. Like, there's stuff you can do. You know, they're not, nothing's stopping you from like going around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's the way you look at it, right? I think down here, there's a lot of people that I know that are like, they told me I can't go out. I want to go to the beach now. I'm like, you haven't gone to the beach in a while. I want to go to the beach now because. It's human nature. Yeah. It's, you know. Yep. It's human nature. Yeah. I'm like, just just watch Netflix for a weekend. What's the big difference? You know? (laughs) Right. So next up, Australian ski resorts are planning for a bumper season without knowing if they will even be open. So down under Australia, they are gearing up for the 2020 season, even though there is no certainty it will even go ahead due to coronavirus social distancing restrictions. Colin Hackworth, head of the Australian Ski Areas Association, said he was hopeful resorts can open as planned in June, but only with the government's permission. Mm. The ski season will only proceed with the blessing of governments and health authorities and the industry will not in any way preempt what the decisions of governments and the health authorities may be, he told the Sydney Morning Herald. Parisher, Mount Hotham, and False Creek, all run by Vail Resorts, are preparing for the 2020 season. Threadbow is also hoping to be open for the season after a multi-million dollar gondola renovation this past summer. Hmm. Wow. So in Australia, they generally aim to open for the Queen's birthday weekend, falling uh, on the 8th of June this year. My, that nice. My my second or third favorite holiday of the year, obviously. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a recent dusting of snow and freezing temperatures has given hope that a bumper snow season is just around the corner, but all of that will be irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. Irrelevant, 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 irrelevant. Jeez, my my <laughs> mouth just—it's all this goddamn carrot juice. 
It's the carrot juice. Man. What's up, Doc? I'm talking like Bugs Bunny. Paralyzed. It will your be. Mouth. <laughs> it will be your. I saw all these R's and L's, and I just freaked out, man. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Irreverent. Irreverent. <laughs> the revenant's been on TV, so I've been watching the freaking the bear scene. It's crazy. There you go. It'll be irrelevant if resorts can't open. So they're trying. They're trying to make it happen. I guess we'll just have to. I mean, I don't know anything about Australia's, you know, COVID nineteen. Like how bad they have it down there. What the numbers are. Down I think, under. I and I think New Zealand kind of shut everything down, shut their borders down, and is doing pretty well. I have no idea what Australia is doing. I guess we could just wait and see. I mean, they got what a month and a half. It's just such, it's such a tough situation, right? So they want to prepare, but they're like, are we wasting money preparing? You know. It's 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 damned no if you do, damned if you don't. Right now, because if you don't gear up and everything kind of mellows out and they flatten the curve and they can at least start things up, and you weren't prepared, then you've lost the season. If you, but here's the beauty of it: let's say they prepare, nothing hinders it, and then they don't get snow, right? Or they get rain, they get shit weather. It's still, it's up in the air. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. Yeah, you're true. I just, I don't, I, as someone who's a bit of a libertarian and narco, a narco capitalist, when I see just that, like phrases, like the ski season will only proceed with the blessing of governments and health authorities, that shit just, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It just yeah. goes, why are we letting a bunch of other people, they're not, they're politicians, right? They're not special. They're just a bunch of bullshitters who have gotten some sort of semblance of power that we have as the citizens. We gave granted them. Yeah. They work for us. Yeah. So it's your fault that gave them the power. <laughs> In theory, right? It's not really their fault for having it. They were given it. Democracy. Here. We got to give it to somebody. Let's give it to you. Democracy is just a popularity contest. That's right. Yeah. Again, I don't know. Australia has some other sort of special way of doing things. I don't understand how they work down there. I know they have no guns, which is yeah. It's just might, they have like a bunch of shit that that's kills about you. All I know like animals that kill you, like on a regular, like everything kills you down there. Everything I know is from the Men at Work song. That's I come from a land down under. That's about Vegemite sandwich. All I know about Australia. Yeah, exactly. That's where I actually had Vegemite once. Yeah. As a, I think I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Did you love it? It's disgusting. I heard nobody loves it. Nobody likes. Why would like, you eat, eat it, was, it because it's good for you? I'm like, that's still not a reason to eat it. Yeah, right. It just, it's one of those things you've been eating it for seven generations. You just kind of keep eating it. Doesn't mean it's good. You just kind of keep doing it. Why do I think mm. half the shit in Germany exists because it's just weird shit they've been eating for 70, 80 years. So like, yeah, hey, we'll just keep eating it. We'll see what happens. I, you know, again, everything is so touch and go. We just have to wait and see. But hopefully, they're able to get stuff open in June. That'd be great. Just hope and pray. What's up? Yep. The next story I'm going to leave for the end. Oh, right. Yes. And then let's go into what these lawsuits mean for ski areas. Now, there's been two big lawsuits that that came out recently. And they're both against the big mountain pass companies. Um, one's against Altera, the other one's against Vail. Icon and Epic, right? So 
I believe like the, the summation of both of them are because of, of COVID there's reasons why people couldn't use their full pass and there's the money that people are out and there's defendants and lawyers and a whole bunch of shit going on now. While the suits may or may not have a chance that's debatable, you know, they kind of frame it out that like, what do these two lawsuits mean for the ski industry, right? And ski areas. So these are two big class action lawsuits. I think they're, they're probably millions, right? In the millions range. Oh, easily, I would think. So if the suits prevail, like they're actually saying it could be, it could set a precedent for lawsuits to be brought up now against gyms, golf courses, um, any organization that offers prepaid memberships. So while I understand it, uh, I think part of what's in some of these lawsuits is the reaction that, that, or the non-reaction that, the icon and epic pass people that put these out um, had, right? So I think we talked about that last week, week before. We've talked to other people. I know we've gotten messages from people about, you know, how pissed off they are that, they, you know, they didn't even get word from or a reaction from some of these companies about what's going to happen to, you know, the rest of their season or a discount for next year or like they just were left in the dark and then they, kind of threw something and at them and might not have seemed so genuine, but yeah, I mean, it could, it could be a big deal. So there's that going on, right. Plus there's, you know, improvements that are set to go on at a lot of scares. It's just kind of crazy, you know, in a way, if you're talking prepaid passing, you're talking ski industry, if any, if the lawsuits go on, just the fact that the lawsuits are going on opens up the idea of, well, what do we do for a regular local ski pass? You know, I had a season pass, you know, how does it get handled the next year? Right. So I think some of the ski areas, like we, we talked about magic, right, Brian, oh, yeah. uh, they've done a lot of cool stuff to, to just try to help people out because they really don't have an obligation. Like if you think about it, you buy a season pass. If you don't have snow, you're not getting any money back, right? This COVID thing, you know, it's it's it kind of is on top of the whole snow thing. They they can't plan for that. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens with these lawsuits. But I kind of agree that it is opening. It would open the door and set precedents for some maybe some additional lawsuits to go on. And everybody knows in this country, we love to sue the shit out of everybody for any reason, you know? Yeah. Well, I think this, this also really plays well into what we've been talking about, you know, mostly on our, uh, our little group chats that we have <laughs> Yeah, is that this is all like, we've been getting really pissed off about these kind of, this kind of duopoly kind of having to pick an epic versus an icon and this this could be the implosion of both of them i mean yeah. you look right now at you know i mean vale vale resorts is a publicly traded stock right now their stock uh ticker symbol is mtn mountain for those a little slow on the uptick there <laughs> But you could you could buy their stock, or right now, if you felt the need, you could short the stock. So that means you're pretty much betting against Vale. 
that thing plummeted like a mofo. I gotta say, it's it's. It took a you know what though? Bounce just now. It's just a little blip up. Dude, I gotta tell you, I think it should be down a lot more than it is. Yeah, I'm surprised. I've I've I read that article that Nick sent over, which was really good, and I'm considering shorting the stock next week. I gotta tell you. I'm surprised, like you said, I'm surprised it didn't go down more. I wonder, like, so, <laughs> well, to short the stock, it ha- you have to do it on an uptick, right? That's the problem right now because <laughs> it's on the way down. Well, it's, it was up today. Was it up today? I'm making that yeah. up. I'm... He's got to wait for some part of the day and you could short it at some point. Yeah, part. but it's doing way better than you think it should be. I mean, I think it'd be, I think it should be affected way more. I but just don't think the people have been ex- I don't think the media has been exposed to the wrath of the people that are affected by this. Right. So we've talked to a lot of people personally and, and chatted, you know, texted, whatever. Um, there are a lot of people that are really pissed off and it's not reflected in some of these, you know, the articles are saying, Oh, there's a class action lawsuit, whatever. But if you poll a lot of the, the pass holders, there's a lot of them that are really pissed. Like, not just upset, not just, you know, give them a thumbs down or a sad face or whatever, you know, because there's still the people that are like, oh, no, it's cool, whatever. Uh, there's some people that are like, they're ready to take it to the streets, that kind of stuff, you know. And that's a pretty big reaction. Yeah. Yeah. People are people are pissed and, you know, kind of we'll go into a little bit more in the next story. But, you know, again, all these all these lawsuits. Say, say the people win. Say, you know, the people versus Vale. Big win for the people. Everyone gets, I don't know. Let's just say they get half of their Epic Pass for the season refunded. Mm. I mean, do we know how many Epic Passes were sold? Let's look that up. Well, I'd be very curious. Let's say, no matter what it is, it's enough to put Vale and Altera out of business, right? What does that mean for the ski industry? Right. So that means breaking up Vail into little ski areas again. I mean, does it mean foreign investment coming in? Does it mean, you know, everything being owned locally? Does the do the banks own it? Like what what's gonna happen? Right. Yeah. Well, wow, I'm seeing a number here and they're saying they sold nine hundred and twenty five thousand epic passes. Granted, they have different ones. They have the local pass, they have, you know, it's not just the regular thousand dollar one. There's a few different ones. Yeah, That's so a if, lot of goddamn passes, man. But you know how it goes with a class action. The legal f- company that's that's doing this is going to get a third. The primary class action person that's named in it is going to get, you know, a nice chunk, and everybody else is going to get fifteen dollars, ten dollars. You know, mm-hmm. it's just crazy the way it works. So like the people don't win, even if they win, it's just the big company loses. Well, that's the thing. That's that's what I was going to get to. That was going to be my ultimate point. Was that so? Say they get you know a few a few hundred bucks back, even each yeah. person. What is that? What's the resort? What is Vale going to do to make that money up? They're not just going to go eat that cost and be like, well, I guess we're going to have to, you know, 
you know, not make we're, his, we're not gonna, another 10 years. I, I guess right? the CEO is not going to get a big fat raise this year. That's obviously not going to happen. He's still going to yeah. get his big fat raise and they're going to take it out and increase the price of lift tickets, make hamburgers $16 instead of $14. Yeah. They're going to find ways to take it out on the consumer. Well, and they're going to have to social distance, right? So they, they can't fill the resort, the resorts as big. So what are you talking about? $400 lift ticket? At some of these places, you know, and then when you if if you're in an economic situation too, where now you can't have as many potential visitors, skiers, snowboarders, how is that going to cut into your profit? Like, can yeah. you even be sustainable? And then if the economy sucks, how who's going to afford that lift ticket? I think it's going to drive this shit out of So I thought about this, about restaurants and everything. And it's the same thing with the scare. It's going to drive inflation. How are you going to make that money up? You got to charge more. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like you said, the CEO and all the corporate executives have to take less, but they're still going to get paid. And I don't know. But the big difference between a restaurant and a ski resort is, I mean, how many people are like us who are, that hardcore into skiing. Yeah, there's definitely a community of hardcores for sure. But the majority of people probably just buy the Epic Pass because they're going to Vail for Christmas. They go one week a year. Now again, I don't want I don't think it's fair. Maybe it's not fair to say the majority of people do that. But I think there's a big chunk of people who just get it as a luxury, nice to have, not a Oh my God, I'm a skier. I'm a snowboarder. I can't live without this pass. What, well, where's that? I mean, that's going to be one of the first things people go, you know what? I'm, my job's not looking so good. I don't know if I'm going to be employed next year. I'm not going to get a pass. Well, so I think we talked about this before. Is, so you have the, the way the economy didn't go and the way people have extra money to spend, you know, expendable income. Um, it seems like over the years, the economy has been doing so well that it's almost one of those things where everybody can go and enjoy ski vacation and go skiing. And I remember growing up, it was very, very secluded where you had to have a lot of money to go to Vail or to go to, you know, ski in Europe or whatever. It's very like held a lot more cachet because it was very like rare to do. Whereas now it's very it's more commonplace. Oh, I jump on a plane. I go out, go ski Europe, go to the club, whatever, go, go out West and ski two, three times a year. Maybe it's, maybe it's going to come back around and be like it used to be where, you know, you really have to have means to go skiing. You know, is it going to be that where it's going to be price and, and cost prohibitive again, or because it's gotten a little bit more reasonable with these big passes, it's become more reasonable to say, Hey, I'm going to ski in five different States at these big resorts, right? Where years ago it would have been, those lift passes are killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. And like you said, every, when everyone's employed and everyone's doing well, then it's a lot easier to do. But now if people are losing their jobs, they can't. And number one, we can't travel anywhere right now yeah. because of restrictions, everything's closed, but also say things get better in the next six months, the season's able to restart. Well, next season starts up. I mean, like who, how many people are going to be ready to, to make that financial commitment again? 
You know, it's not going to be as easy as it was last year or the year before. Right. And there's be some hard decisions. I mean, I grew up, I never went on a vacation when I grew up because my parents didn't have money. You know, it was, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to drive to the city. Okay, great. We've got a little drive to the city. We weren't getting on a goddamn plane. I think I got on a plane like three times in my life before I was like 20, you know? Yeah. And we're going to see a lot more trickle down happening too. Yeah. Over the next couple of months. Here's the other thing the resorts have to play in, which I'm sure it's not on their balance sheet, but what's going to happen with the airline industry? Are they even going to be solvent by the end of this? Yeah. Right? Because they're they're looking at like a whole thing of their own. So Mm -hmm. now how are you going to get people to the mountain? So now you can have a mountain. You can run with a lot more expense, but it might be a lot more expensive or a lot more difficult to get to the mountain too. You know? Yeah. That's where your local mountain comes back in. The independence, right? The little local mountain that's just kind of chilling out, doing their thing. I had the weirdest like vision this morning, you know, cause I, I hate to be, again, I, I said it before, I'm kind of an anarcho-capitalist and, you know, every time there's a crisis like this, you know, 9-11, 2008, there's always some, it's so easy to become emotional and to get all worried and to get all concerned and to think Very about easy. just this moment and not to think about the future when things do improve and things get better. Well, How do you, you prepare news, that, yourself? That's like easy to just get sucked in. Yeah. You can't do that. I, I'm, and I'm just trying to think, I'm like, okay. And this, I talked about it last week and I actually have a whiteboard photo that I think on a future episode within the yeah. next couple of weeks, Something that you're marinating, you're working on. I'm working on it. Sadly, I have to freaking relearn my algebra too to be able to put this algorithm together. But uh, I'll show it here quick. The photo that I took of my whiteboard in my kitchen. I'm actually devising an algorithm to find what's what's the perfect ski town. Oh, that's sweet. So I have, you know, distance to the ski resort. I had to look up what it's called in algebra the the chart it's a hyperbola so it's you know it's one of those charts where it's it's kind of sharp and then it goes along down the y-axis and then kind of levels out on the x but they never touch they never touches the x or the y-axis we got uh so that's the hyperbola and then we also have population which is a parabola because that you you want to you don't want it to have no people you don't want it to be a completely desolate yeah. But you also don't want it to be too crowded. So once it gets, so you look at the hyperbola or the uh, parabola there, it's going, you know, it's like a U shape, like an upside down U. So you got to find that Goldilocks zone where it's just has enough people, but it's not too many people. I'm actually working on weighting all of the the factors of this. And I think that's important because people are going to have to have some way to measure what kind of vacation they can have or if they can have a vacation. At Dude, all. I'm not even talking vacation anymore. I'm talking about living situation because yeah. this is, like I said, this is, it's a dark time. People are struggling to get by, but I'm planning for the future. I'm planning for, you know, all I ever goddamn talk about is how I want to live in a ski town. And all I ever goddamn do is not move. Now with this whole situation, this could be the golden opportunity to go, okay, you know what? The price is right. I can work remote. I can focus on the podcast. What's where can I go? What town are we going to? Yeah, but even and, so, dude, like you got to remember, like 
even if the price is not right, even if whatever, 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 if you're committed to making it work, you're going to make it work, right? right? Like humans can do amazing things if they're properly motivated to do them. If you're out in the middle, like there's, there's stories of people that have done amazing things. You just have to decide that that's what you're going to do. Put yourself in a position where you have no choice but to do it. And you'll, you'll, you'll come out in some way that you'll be happy because you'll make yourself happy in the, in the end. Yeah. You know? But not everything is lining up for that to happen. So that's yeah. why it's nice I, to I'm have a plan. Playing. Nice to have like a goal, like what you want to do. But you know, at some point you execute. just got to pull the trigger. You got to execute. Exactly. Yeah. It's scary as fuck, but you got to pull that trigger. Yeah. I've moved, I've recreated myself, my life, like probably like three times already and yeah. scary shit every time. And as I get older, it gets more and more scary. You have kids now, it gets more scary, but yeah, yeah, I think it'll be better for them. It'll be certainly better for me. And yeah. a lot of the folks around me are showing their true value, which is minimal. So, you know, maybe this is what's got to happen. Yeah. Gotta yeah. Do it. So that'll be on an upcoming episode. So we're kind of, we're kind of meandering within the main topic. Oh, we're and all out over of it. the place. We're all um, over the place. So we do have a couple more stories that, well, one more, and then we really start going into the main topic. But this was a great article from the Colorado Sun, and it was the day skiing died inside the historic day coronavirus forced Colorado's ski industry to shudder. And it talks about March 14th and Governor Jared Paulus and you know him getting the infection rates that were 20 to 30 times higher than the rates on the front range. Hmm. Wow. And he decided that, you know, they were starting to do some extra cleaning, limiting ridership, but they just said, we're shutting everything down today on that Saturday, which is crazy, which is probably one of the biggest weekends they have of the year because spring break is coming up and, you know, people are coming in from all over the place and, you know, and people were were obviously kind of pissed off. Talked about I'm trying to find the name of the guy in Telluride who was there because you know he was one of the ones who got the information and said that they yeah you know, they were one of the first ones to close. And then right after that is when Vale came out and just shut down all the resorts, not just in Colorado but across all of North America. Yeah, and North America, we're talking Canada too, not just the US, right? So, oh, yeah, that's pretty big. It was a huge deal. Yeah, it said that, uh, uh, Bill, Bill Jensen, yeah, he was the resort captain in Telluride. It said, you know, he was fighting off local skiers for about two hours, the attacks from local skiers, not, uh, not physically, of course, but then the governor's order was announced at 8 p.m. that night. Saturday night, the 14th. And yeah, people were very, I mean, again, you know, a lot of these ski communities, they're not exactly, they, they work when everything is in place, when there's snow on the ground, when the weather's right, when people can come in and spend money, they work great. But as soon as there's a disruption and this is a, this is a disruption unlike anything we've ever seen. This is, I mean, we haven't seen this in the normal world, let alone the ski industry. And it's just, it's caught everyone by surprise. And we're all still trying to figure out what's next. Like, when do we return? When can we get back on the mountain? 
in a normal way, not in a 10% capacity way in the end of April. I mean, it's kind of interesting the way they, they kind of equate this. And it, it is true how, how we think about it. But it's almost like, you know, when you talk about the stock market crashing, right? You think about, oh, where was I that day? How did I hear? Whatever. When this happened, it was like, oh, my God. When ski, skiing ended for that middle of season, like, where were you? Like, what what were you doing? Like, what trip did you have planned? Like, you know, everybody that's, uh, you know, big skier knows, like, yeah, that, that was like a big deal because, holy crap, that ended our ski season, you know? Yeah. I remember I was, I was just recovering from the flu that weekend, but I was up in... Or Corona. No, you, you got tested, so you were Corona. I wasn't actually tested for the coronavirus, but I did test positive for the flu. So I had the flu, but I was in, I was up in Vermont the weekend before. And I, you know, I think about just how much fun I had that weekend. Like that Friday. Was it in the snow they blow on the mountain? Is that, you think what is in there? (laughs) Probably. But it was just such a great day at magic, you know, skiing solo on Friday and then hanging out with our friend John and his family on Saturday at Okemo. Like it was both days were so much fun in different, completely different ways. But you know, you never, you never think when you're on the mountain that this could be my last day on the mountain this year for who knows how long, like you never think that way. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, cause you always want to have kind of positive outlook, like, Oh, I'll be up in another couple of weeks or I'll no, be going here. I appreciate week. every moment you get on the mountain. You never for know sure. when it's going to be your last. Yeah, enjoy every après ski beer. Enjoy every conversation on the chairlift. Enjoy like every it's turn. Your last day on this earth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. true about everything. Like this coronavirus, if it hasn't taught you to appreciate everything you have around you, the people you have, the things you do, the places you go, like the things you enjoy, like hopefully coronavirus. When this is over, people will have a better appreciation for the people they're with the life they live and have a little bit more respect for what they do in life. Cause it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we just need to get to that point where we really start. Cause we've been living again in a, in a fantasy land. We've been living taking shit for granted, right? Taking everything for granted. We had everything at our fingertips and yep. so a lot of us appreciated it, but a lot of us really took it for granted. So now we're, uh, we're going to be living in a very different paradigm going forward and, I, I don't know. Will we get back to where we were? Probably. How long will it take? No idea. It doesn't matter if we get to a, a level of prosperity. We're going to be different people. So I think we just got to go with the new. Everything's going to be different. And we're going to survive. And we're going to get through it. And we're going to be better. In the long run, I think we'll all be better. You know? Hopefully we'll be more appreciative. A little kinder. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like every disaster time we rally together for a couple days and then we just go back to being our asshole selves in like six months. That's where you keep on yourself. Yeah. Be better. You know what? You got to think in your mind. Like I always fear. I mean, I started working in brokerage when, when the market fell again and I was always fearful, like, Holy shit. What if we ever had to go through another depression, like depression, not recession, but with the big D like that scares the shit out of me no jobs, nothing like, and this coronavirus like got even closer to that. Like, I don't know what's going to be at the other end of this, but like, you got to look at it. Like, what if something's going to happen? You got to prepare, you got to, 
you know, do like you're doing the right things. Like you said, you're, you're trying to look at like what you have to stock up on, like what you have to like, you know, whatever, save up. Like, like that's what people need to be conscious of. You know, that's what my parents taught me. They're like, they went through the depression. It was pretty shitty for them. They they weren't on a good side and you know, you never know what's going to happen. You got to be prepared for anything. Look how that affects the ski industry. You know, yeah. if, if people, instead of YOLOing it up and going yeah. on all their big ski trips said, you know what, I'm going to make sure I save X amount of dollars a month. What's the first, what, what are the top 10 things they're going to scale back on? Skiing might be one of those 10, you know, it all depends for the kind of person you are and what you, what you value. That's the last thing I would remove from my life. I, I, I can look at my credit card bill and go, I can nuke like 30% of this bullshit. No problem. Well, that's but, what you want to do, right? Like some people don't do that. They just like spend, spend, or they have stuff like I've talked to people and they're like, Oh, I don't know what gets debited from my credit card. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You don't know where every penny goes out of what you hard earn and goes into your accounts. I'm like, I know if I don't keep track of it every month, I know what's supposed to be there and what's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look at it real quick and be like, that's bullshit. I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's some people that don't know. I mean, yeah, it's for sure. Sad. So, Mario, you want to take this last one, which is actually a, it's a almost, it, it, this, this is all kind of jarbling. Why don't we say this anyway. is the main topic? Okay. So let's officially end the ski news and roll into the main topic then. So what are we talking about today, Brian? It's kind of the same theme we've been talking about for a while now. What we looking back at what we did and what we had and how is it going to affect what we're going to have in the future? One of the stories we talked about a couple times over the past month was the the hot spot for European coronavirus, Ischgl, Austria, Austria, which is the Ibiza of the Alps, they are now saying, they're pledging to tone down its party culture after it was linked to over 2,000 coronavirus cases across Europe. Dude, 2,000 cases. Like, so I got to say, like, when we went, we've talked about this before. There are so many people from Europe that go there. It is a big, hot, melting pot of like party people. I got to say, this is kind of like, it's like Oktoberfest on skis, right? Yeah. But it's every week. It's not even like a festival. Yeah. And you look at this, you read this article too, and it's, you know, I I guess kind of noticed it when we were there, but it's also like a very kind of shishi area too. So you get a lot of celebrities and wealthy folks who are visiting there. They said they have 500,000 visitors every season. That's amazing. That is crazy. That's a lot of people. And they have their big top of the mountain concert around this time every year, usually the end of April. But their, their mayor. Yeah. Their mayor is saying now that they are leaving their partying days behind. So they got a lot of bad press. We've talked about if you haven't listened to any of the last, what, four or five podcasts, (laughs) we've been talking about it, how they're always on there. They're always on there. Um, But they're saying, they're saying at least 800 infections in Austria have been traced to the town with as many as 1200 more in Iceland, Germany, Ireland, Norway, Denmark, and the UK. 
when we were there, there was a lot of people we saw from the UK and Germany, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, just, and it was just all mixed. It was crazy. Mostly dudes. Yeah. A lot of dudes. And then they go back and they spread it to the ladies. You know how it works. (laughs) This timeline though is so bizarre. In this article, it shows a timeline of of what actually happened in Ishkil. So February 8th, first person in an Austrian waitress at Kitzloch bar. That's like ground zero. Symptoms of the coronavirus. That's the one they're saying is like the ground zero spot. Ground zero right there. Yeah. So then fast forward to March 4th. Iceland warns Austria that a group of its tourists tested positive after returning from Ishkil. And then March 5th, Iceland goes thug life and declares Ishkil a risk area as it did with China, Iran, and South Korea. So countries and Ishkil. <laughs> I, don't, I think this article must be wrong. It must be North Korea, not South Korea. I, I don't know. South or Korea maybe, got hit pretty bad too, I think. Well, what did we talk about? What's the, uh, what's the, the business practice in South Korea? Where they they uh, booze it up, drinking, Harry, oh, Harry shit. something? No, um, how are you? <laughs> Hosick, Hosick, that's Hosick, H O E S I K. Yes, yeah, so South Korea is. Uh... Okay, so that's March fifth. March seventh, a barman at Kitslock becomes the first person Ishkil to test positive. Also, the first person to be tested. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, and then fifteen of his friends also test positive. Again, they're the first. They're the next fifteen to be tested. Isn't testing still kind of spotty right now? Like the end of April, dude. It's spotty in most here. Areas? There's people yeah. that have gotten like false positives, false negatives. Like it's crazy. They're like, dude, if you shoot these four Jaeger bombs and puke, that means you have the coronavirus. That was their test they gave them. Everybody's hammered anyway there. I got to say, Ishko is a party-ass town. Uh, I can't lie. It was pretty awesome. But but I wonder, too, if, if you know, all that partying, if that all the alcohol, if that kind of affects your immune, immune system down, in right? a way that makes it more susceptible to the virus. I think there's different levels, right? So there's that, plus there's you were hammered the night before. So maybe you think the cough and the dizziness and the headache is part of the hangover, right? Maybe you don't think you're you're sick. You think you're just hungover. And then and maybe you go out you partying or coughing yeah. on people. You don't realize you're sick, really sick until you stop drinking when you go home. I don't know. Yeah. So Iceland, uh, March 20th, Iceland says 20 people connected with Ishkil tested positive. And then the Austrian government launches an investigation into conduct in Ishkil. So. Yeah, they closed the resort on March 13th. Also, so that was kind of the same weekend. I gotta say, we had some great skiing there too. I had fantastic skiing there. But just think about you know, think about just everything that we did there. Everything was around a lot of people. You know, the think about the gondola ride. It was all crunching people into a place, get them up to a mountain. You're on the mountain, you're you're alone, and then you go back down. You're in a more crowded, like, you know, 
The Apres ski bars, they're tight. Yeah. Apres ski was out of control. It was awesome, but out of control. Yeah, it was just jammed with people. You know, the again, the restaurants, like you said, any of the bars you went to, except that one weird bar we went to where there was like seven dudes hanging out there. Yeah, it was weird. That was a nice little social distance bar, accidentally. <laughs> social distance. Accidental social distancing. Uh, but yeah, like how now they're pledging to be more of a relaxed, less partyish town. I don't know how you can really. They're pledging to be more relaxed, but their motto is relax if you can. How do you do that? How do you relax if you can and relax? You can't do it. Just can't do it. You can, you can pledge to do a lot of things, but if you're actually (laughs) going to do it, do it. This seems, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. You know, people pledge to stop drinking. People pledge to lose weight. They do it all the time. You can pledge whatever you want. Yeah, it's just kind of doing what you have to do at this time. He's a politician. He's full of crap. He's just going to say what he has to say at this time to get reelected. Exactly. But I was come out with a with a vaccine to like we're back on as normal. Of course, I was thinking about today. You know, just social distancing in general, and you know, I I talked about how like one of me and my son Benjamin, our favorite thing to do on the weekends is to watch like Warren Miller movies. When we, I, I get them up in the morning and we'll go watch movies nice. and we watch, we love the line of descent one. Cause you know, the beginning is Jackson hole and there's, you know, there's Tommy Moe in there and he knows Tommy Moe now and there's bears they show and moose. Cause you know, you're Jackson hole. It's kind of rugged wild. And we love watching that. And they, you know, they always talk about, you know, big red, the, the tram at Jackson hole and, you know, a hundred people, they jam in that bad boy every 10 minutes. Jam is right. Jam, jam. is the word. A hundred people in that tram every 10 minutes. Yep. And you still have to wait for a long time, that first tram on a powder day. So what's that going to be like if we have to have this social distancing in place? Like, what are they going to do? Do 25 people in there? Like, what's that going to... I mean... What's going to, I mean, worst case scenario, what's going to happen? I fear that we may be like, and it might be momentary, right? Even if it's for five years or two years, right? It's, it's a pretty big deal because you're, you're, you're taking the same experience that we had where we didn't have those restrictions, where they jam people in the, in the, in the uh, tram to go up the mountain, where you got on a six pack uh, lift with six people, you know, where you went to Opry Ski and it was packed, where you were dancing on a table with people from all over the world. You know what I mean? Like at Opry Ski, having a great freaking time. Uh, that might be gone for a little while, if not for a long time. Like, who knows what that's going to look like, right? One thing I thought about this morning, and I couldn't get out of my head because, again, I'm trying to think about, you know, where would, where would we go? What would life be like living in that this magical amazing fictional now ski town and one thing that came into my head was just hot tub time machine remember (laughs) kodiak valley that was the place they went to that was you know in the 80s was awesome and then kind of died what imagine jackson hole as kodiak valley imagine just because of the money the amount of uh services that are shut down People selling their condos, their houses. They're How about not going the amazing twenty-person hot tub with a bar at Pinnacle? Never would exist after after this, right? 
That's gone. Yeah. I'm talking, I'm just talking like bigger picture. Like, I mean, could these massive resorts that are so dependent on lots of wealthy clientele coming there, spending money, how, how is that possible now in the very near term? I think if you have wealth, they could manage around it because that wealth will pay for exclusivity, right? So whether it's private hot tubs, you know, something different, like they, they might be able to offer that. But for the everyday schmo like us that we were, we were like, hey, let's just grab onto this trip and see what it's like. I think that might be a, a bigger challenge, right? But can a resort stay open with just the limited number of, of elites trying to, you know, wanting that exclusivity? Like, is that even, that, that doesn't seem economically sustainable. You need, to, you need a blend of, you know, because think how many people must travel that's in. That's demand, right? Well, I think every resort's going to be different. And that's where those big conglomerate Vale or Alteras are going to suffer the most, I think, because they have this giant portfolio of ski resorts and they kind of allocate amounts to different ones that have different requirements. Like, oh, this resort needs a new gondola. We're going to give them a little more extra money. This other place was already upgraded. They're not going to get anything this year. So the places that were dependent on Big Brother Vale supporting them for the next few years so they got ramped up or yeah. you know, their that's upgrades got them up to speed, they're going to suffer big time. And that's where you know, they may have to cut their losses and just be like, you know what, we're selling this at a discount to Ski Bum Podcast LLC for right. for sixty five hundred dollars. Email us at contact at skibumpodcast.com. <laughs> um yeah, but something like Deer Valley, right? So look at Deer Valley, right? They're gonna be fine. They're gonna they'll say be, they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna say, look, instead of having uh extra just single rooms, we're gonna turn them into the same suites we have for the high rollers. You know, 1,100 square foot suites, 1,500 square foot, 2,000 square foot, whatever they do, private hot tubs, like they could work that. Uh, for the regular run of the mill, like you said, that's owned by Vail, um, you know, you take a smaller place. I mean, they might not be able to do it. But then again, I don't know, Stowe's going to be fine probably, right? Potentially. Yeah, I mean... You know, what are know. the ones that are going to hurt? And and that's those are the ones that you're going to have to think about. They might spin them off. They might say, hey, you're not going to be part of Vail anymore. We'll sell you off, you know, or spin you off into your own little little thing. Maybe they'll they'll tier it. Maybe they'll have, you know, have like Vail Gold and Vail Silver and Vail Bronze. And, you know, yeah. they'll have the smaller resorts kind of clumped in together. You get a Vail Silver Pass and it only is good for the lower resorts. I mean, they have, I mean, they have the local one, but... Uh, it'd probably be along those same lines then, but yeah, maybe tears. Maybe, maybe that's, that's the answer. I don't know. But also it seems like maybe it's the complete opposite will happen. Maybe all the little local mom and pop resorts are the ones that are going to suffer the most while the veils, the Alteras get the bailouts and are able to buy up more resorts. Well, the mom and pops might be fine. They have a lower, a lower cost of, of operating potentially, right. Than the big guys. But they also have less of a uh, of a cushion or uh, or aid, however you want to call it, that their parent resorts could give them if they need it. I mean, you know, if you're yeah. mom and pop, you can't just go, hey, can you give me a couple million bucks to float me the next year or two? Yeah. Where they could do that. Distance, right? Depends on the makeup and the layout of the place. Yeah. If you have little cabins, it's 
It's perfect. You're all social distance. You rent a cabin. There you go. What if somehow there is a special mask, face mask that comes out that has been tested to 99.9% prevent any viruses from going out or going in? What if we can just have a normal trip on the gondola on a chairlift if you wear that mask? Would you be comfortable doing that? Could be. Could be all J-bars. Who knows? Yeah. You open air, J-bar, that works. What if if they have like a special, what if you, all right, so say you got to buy a lift ticket and it's 20 bucks extra the first time. You know, like when you buy your season pass at certain resorts, it has the RFID. It's like, oh, it's five bucks the first time and you keep it in your jacket and they just keep reloading it or, you know, if it's uh, like kind of that scenario where say you go to a certain resort and it's 20 bucks extra to get this special mask and you have to wear this mask at all times, but we'll allow everything to resume at, let's call it 80%. Yeah. I, it seems like a no brainer, right? You know, they're going to have to take precautions, but if you could take them, I mean, you're in the winter, right? So that's the other benefit that skiing has. Like you could wear a mask and people aren't going to be pissed off because you're not in 90 degree weather wearing a mask. Yeah. You're going to be in hopefully freezing temperature and you, putting a mask on is going to be like, great, you gave me a mask, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't it's know. It's going to be like après ski with Bane. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'll survive. Like, I think they'll survive. Like, the on-mountain stuff is going to have to be worked out. I think that's just a matter of logistics. Uh, the off-mountain stuff is where I think the hot spots can potentially happen. And I think that could be worked out with, uh, it's going to have to be spacing and you're going to have certain areas. You're going to have to worry about the, you know, the little opera ski places that maybe pack people in that aren't that big, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I look back at some of the shit that, that I've done, like in the Folly Deuce, like that place was packed. Uh, everywhere in Ishka was packed. Uh, Switzerland, when we were in Switzerland, every every place there was like multi level and it was packed. Um, that's a it's a, gonna be a big change. Yeah, you know, I think the memories we had, like the the times we had, were are gonna be great because I don't know if they're gonna be had for a while. Yeah, it's a little creepy to think about this kind of becoming the normal for a while. Yeah. It's possible. I mean, it really is at this point. I mean, I think everybody's everybody knows, like, or everybody should know or expect that, like, until there's a vaccine or until something changes, we're going to have to be worried about this flaring up again, right? And if it flares up again, we're all in lockdown again, right? Which I don't think anybody wants. It's it's fucking horrible, right? For the economy, for for people, for kids, for doing stuff, like it's just bad. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think we're going to have to respect a little bit more the social distancing once we get out of this because it could go back to nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a bummer thought that you think about how jammed up you are with people when you are skiing, you know, whether in the lifts or like you said, après ski, going to dinner. I mean, a Saturday night in... 
President's Weekend in any ski town. Everything is jammed. Tyrod going to New Sheridan, just hanging out. Yeah. Packing it in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna be very different going Twiddle. forward. We can't see Twiddle anymore. We can't see Twiddle the way we did. Yeah. <laughs> you do the weed, but not the Twiddle. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, really think about all the things you've your favorite memories of ski trips or you know time skiing and you know a lot of times it's jammed up with a lot of other friends of yours or family folks you just met and when can we get back to that you know will we be able to get back to that it's just something to think about and yeah. you know think about how many good times you have had and what has to get done to fight to get back to that point like what yeah. can we do to get back to that because I know. I just think about even like the little dumb things again, like going to a Warren Miller movie premiere. Like that's always get the season fired up. Like in a theater. Yeah. You look forward to it every year and then you go, well, maybe it just won't happen this year. And all the things you go, Oh, I can't wait for that to happen again. That happened last year. You know, the Boston snow show. Yeah. That, but that's not going to happen either. You what know, you like a oh, virtual, like how do you do that? How do you do a show? Yeah. Ski swap. How do you do a ski swap? Just all the things that you just look forward to every year just might not be there this year, which is kind of a... Well, they'll be different, right? We've got to see. Yeah. And that's the thing too, you know, as much as it can be depressing, we'll also be smart enough to figure out ways to pivot, to change it, to amend it, to make it work be in creative. the current conditions. Yeah. That's what we're going to have to do. I got my aero ski coming. I got my VR goggles that are coming with it. I may have to just live out my my ski enjoyment through virtual reality i don't know there you go i don't even know right now there you go he was gonna buy a big ski house and then he got vr and then he had a virtual ski house that he, he just went to every weekend basement in jersey <laughs> that's right this is dude just goes like six hours in his basement that's right but uh yeah it's uh more to come we're, we're we're trying to stay positive but we're also trying to be realistic too at this point you know, you just don't realize how close that we are to each other. Like when they start talking about how like everything transmits and this is more, I guess, contagious than like a regular flu. And you start thinking about like, well, how that happens, like through breathing on somebody or like, you know, stuff like that. You don't realize how close you are to everybody all the time. They're even talking about like if you're biking or running. Like you have to distance yourself a little bit more because if you're downwind from that person, their breath is going out. Like there's a whole, like you don't realize like we're in each other's grill all day. Yeah. I think it's also going to help us build up immunity though. Yeah. But again, I don't know anything. I'm not a scientist. I can't even do hyperbola math. You stayed at a, uh, what's a the holiday? holiday in express. <laughs> I've, I haven't stayed at a holiday in express and I have no idea how long. Eight years, ten years. You seem like a doctor, but you play play one on TV. That's right. I play one on this podcast occasionally. Play, exactly. <laughs> Not a doctor, but he plays one on the podcast. So just yeah, something to think about, something to take away, and ponder what what could be, what might be, and you know Why how we can we find ponder, ways around this. Yeah, I think we ponder what will be out there, and then you have to also ponder who or how will you be when this is over, right? Yeah. Like, what are you going to want to do? How are, you know, um, no, definitely something to ponder. Yeah. Well, if you have any thoughts, 
any insights, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. Masa, America's priciest restaurant, is now selling $800 make-your-own sushi boxes. Make your own. Make your own. The Friday-only service. Make your own? Yep. The Friday-only service will kick off with a box of ingredients of tamaki hand rolls feeding up to four people. Chef Masa Takayama, who runs the country's most expensive sushi restaurant, now serves what might be New York City's priciest takeout program. Every Friday, Masa, which closed following the COVID-19 shutdown, will sell 20 boxes of sushi or sashimi currently priced at $800 each. What? Each group will feed up to four, yes, four whole people. The restaurant group wrote in an email, for the first offering, Masa will deliver a make-your-own tamaki box, which includes pre-sliced raw fish, vegetables, ginger, wasabi, soy sauce, nori, and rice. That sells out to be about $200 per person for the dinner, which diners must assemble themselves. So yes, $800. But here's the here's the kicker. The box is cheaper than a typical... Omakasa at Masa, which runs $595 per person or close to $1,500 for two after drinks and tax. Jeez. God damn. Wow. Takayama runs a luxury uh, restaurant group. This is a luxury takeout service for a wealthy clientele of which there's no shortage in New York. This is a good time to mention that delivery is free in Manhattan, but 20 bucks for the outer boroughs. Wow. That is yep. pretty crazy. There you go. Ooh. All right. Going on a little cheaper menu here. We got Kansas city is now home to a barbecue vending machine. So burnt ends at the push of a button. So Frank Norton stands underneath the white pergola that extends over the front of Jones Barbecue, a black mask covering the lower half of his face. It's a bit before 5 p.m. and he's facing the dilemma. What's for dinner? So um, the Kansas City barbecue spot owned by Deborah Little Jones and her sister Mary Shorty Jones, mostly, has always been a lunch-only affair. And then... What they decided to do is they were featured on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and they often sold out before their closing time of 3 p.m. So um, they decided to go in with somebody to pop up vending machine and kind of took off. So now they have a – so their barbecue identity is embodied in burnt ends. So it's the charred bit ends of the brisket, if anybody doesn't know that. So goddamn good. Oh, and they charge you more for it, too, because it's they worth should. it. They should. So they say there's um, burnt ends are one of the seven items available from the vending machine. And they're saying alongside chicken wings, turkey, rib tips, they're stocked between 5 and 10 a.m. And they come off a smoker sitting next to a big pile of hickory wood. Um, and they label each clamshell package with handwritten description on masking tape. So they're keeping it real. Oh, this looks, this sounds so freaking awesome. Dude, I want those burnt ends right now. So goddamn bad. 
If you told me there was one in the, in the like a fifty mile radius, I'd drive to it right now. Oh, yeah, is, my mouth is watering. I can't even look at this anymore. Yeah, this barbecue looks so damn good. God damn, that'd be a fun thing to do in the summer, right? Just to like a like a barbecue trip, just cruise through the middle of the country. Yeah, like Memphis, Kansas City, mm. Nashville, Texas. Got it. Got it. It's got to hit Texas. Yeah, got to hit Texas. Yeah. Carolina had good barbecue though. Oh yeah, that's true. Carolina's got legit barbecue. Uh, All right. Well, I guess that wraps up the old podcast for the week. Thank you everyone so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Hope you're staying safe out there. Think about your plans for the future skiing. Ponder it. All aspects, positives, negatives. We'll get through this eventually. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. All the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Podcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.